0: How's it going? I'm good. Yeah? Hi. Welcome to Under Further Review. I'm Andrew. I'm Kata. Good to see you. That was really abrupt <laughs> as like a start. I don't know. Do you want to if... try it again? No, it's fine. Okay, cool. I'm good with it. it Hello. That's what it is. Hello. We're keeping it realistic around Wel- here. Welcome,
1: welcome to your to your 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 assholes but fun. Your 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 drunk heathens of sports media.
2: Yeah. This is yeah.
1: under further review presented in part by last word on sports. Mm-hmm. Thank you for everybody for joining us today. Uh, if you are a first-time listener, welcome. You've joined the most exciting sports podcast ever. Yeah. And you can go ahead and follow all of our social media, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, uh, at the handle UFRVodcast. Uh, you can also find us, uh, our podcast, which comes out every Thursday, wherever you find podcasts, except for Spotify, because we're not that cool yet. We've got a big old football-packed show for y'all today.
0: I know. It's very exciting. You guys, you guys really didn't do a whole lot in the world of football last week. Um, by the way, thanks for the week off. Um, oh, and,
1: of course! Oh, by the way, special thanks to Mike Rose for stepping in. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, really great um, show last week.
0: It was so much fun. It was so much fun to listen to. Like you guys just absolutely did such a good job, and it was. It's always, you know, what it's fun to just stir up the energy of the thing.
1: We tried to make you proud, and you I did. I, I, good. Oh, good. Okay. You
0: did. This is also, by the way, um, our listeners can't see this, but this is the second week that you have unintentionally matched with your co-host. Yes. We're both wearing jeans and like Correct. dark whatever it's
1: dark V-neck. T-shirts.
0: You're just like very in the soul of, like very in tune with who you're working with in these few weeks. It's 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 a lot, but it's, it's that's what makes nice. me
1: a good co-host is that I can just read your mind. It's inspiring, and I know what's gonna happen. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. cool.
0: Um, we got an email. We got an email. That's how we want to start. Uh, this email is from Hunter. Uh, hey Andrew and Kata. Part of my FFB fantasy football strategy this year was to pick guys who have contracts ending soon because I figured they'd try harder. When I did some research, I noticed a lot of kickers have contracts that end in 2020 more than any other position. Why is this, piece, Hunter? Hunter, uh, this this is a very interesting email for a lot of reasons. And very difficult as but well. I, but I want to I want to unpack it starting with the beginning. When when Hunter said that uh, they their strategy is to pick guys who have contracts ending soon, I think that's um, bold.
1: I do too. But I think if it pays off, it's really smart. It's a lot like, I mean, they, Hunter has a point in that people who are playing for contracts tend to work harder sure. because they're trying to earn that big money. Dak Prescott on Sunday night is a big purveyor of that. He's playing for a new contract. He's moving on from his rookie deal. He had a great game on Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, even though the Cowboys lost, I thought he did great. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a really interesting, bold strategy. It's a lot like playing the lottery because if it, if it pays off, it'll pay off big, and that player earns a lot of money and becomes one of the higher... Um, Higher echelon players in the NFL just because of their skill level and the amount of money that they're being
0: paid. Right. No, I, I, I definitely see um, a lot of a lot of reasoning behind that. It's so funny too, though, because I feel like when you're looking at like the top ten like picks. Like it's your first pick and you're like, oh, I want this guy, this guy, this guy. Everyone goes for like the really hot rookies or like second years who are doing really well, but they're still on their rookie contracts and everything. So it's a that's a really unique strategy and definitely one that I want to look more into, obviously, because this year I'm basically tanking my season at this point. Um, But then we get into this kickers situation. A lot of kickers have contracts that end in 2020 more than any other position. Why is this? And you've done the research here, but I mean, to, to summarize, I think situation is kickers in the nfl have just become like this dispensable position and and on top of it like if if a kicker it's so easy to judge whether a kicker is performing well like the stats literally say everything plus they're they don't do a whole lot besides kick the ball so they get paid a lot less than other players what have you found
1: right okay so as you know Since um, they moved the extra point line back from the two-yard line to the 15-yard line, it's made a huge difference. So before they moved the extra point line, um, the percentage of point after attempts after touchdowns uh, was sky high. It was 97% since 1989. And then when they moved the extra point line back to the 15-yard line, making it a 35-yard field goal, um, it's dropped to 94%. So it's made... I mean, it's not a considerable... Uh, percentage drop, but it is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's made things a lot harder. Also, just barely... Also, just like by the eyeball test in general, yeah. kickers, I feel like, have become far less reliable. We've seen kickers that are usually automatic miss kicks that they shouldn't. I mean, I'm uh, as a Patriots fan, Steven Gaskowski's been the Patriots kicker for a long, long time, and he's been mostly automatic, but in these last couple of years, he's missed some kicks that... Um, he should make. Right. I mean, I've seen him uh, bank off the upright a couple times, which is now kind of just something that I'm used to with him. In the Super Bowl, when they um, they made the big comeback against the Falcons, he doinked an extra point off the upright. And right. I was just like, oh, here we go. Typical Guskowski. I feel like the kicker position has just become more and more expendable just based on how many kickers are missing field goals nowadays. It's, right. be- it's become a problem. Yeah. This issue of kickers... Uh, running out their contracts at the end of next year is very interesting. I don't know if that's some kind of just coincidence, but I did the research about um, how many kickers teams have gone through just in the last five years. It's a lot more than I thought. Oh. So overall, NFL teams have gone through 121 kickers in the last five years. That's all 32 NFL teams. Yeah. On average, NFL teams go through just under four kickers every five years, which is just over one a season. Wow. Through all these NFL teams, uh, only three NFL teams have had permanent kickers in the last five years. Okay. Three, meaning that they've had one from 2014 to now. That's the Ravens, the Packers, and the Colts. Justin Tucker, the kicker for the Ravens, cashed in on a contract extension earlier this year, he's making bank. He's making $23 million over four years with $12.5 million of it guaranteed, plus an $8 million signing bonus. On top of that, Mason Crosby signed an extension in 2017 for five years. He's under contract. He's going to be making $16.1 million through 2020. The outlier to this is Adam Vinatieri, who plays for the Colts. Right. Who has been garbage this year. He's also 45 years old, but he's missed 14 field goals this year, which is the most of his career. And that, to me, is like the summation of how the kicker position has kind of morphed in the last five years. We used to have all these longstanding kickers, and now you just have you know, teams going through three kickers, four kickers, three kickers, seven kickers. I'm just going down the line here. Eight kickers. As many as nine. The Chargers have gone through nine kickers in the last five years. That's and, aggressive. And, 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 I mean, they're, they're, they have you know, your, your permanent starter kickers, but also it's people who have just lined up to kick extra points in replacement of these kickers. It's absurd how many kickers these teams go through, yeah. and I never realized it until now. Yeah, it's crazy. So, uh, in my opinion, kickers have kind of become expendable, and it's ever since they moved the extra point line back that we've really seen this uh, issue magnified.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's a really interesting thing too. Like, I you think about like quote unquote like franchise kickers. Like, I was I was shocked, for instance, um, earlier this season when the Atlanta Falcons released their kicker Matt Bryant and then they held auditions or whatever for like the new guy and then ended up just re-signing him and then they released him again this past week and it's just it's a really it's a unique position but it's it's also it is the easiest position to judge I think absolutely
1: you either make it or you don't yeah Cody Parkey double drink uh-huh Cody Parkey's bounced around through a lot of teams, by the way. Oh, yeah. I also just want to um, tie back to Mason Crosby really quick. Who's He's under contract for a while. Keep in mind, the dude missed five field goals in one game last year. Yeah. And so it really, it just has to do with whether or not the team wants to keep them around. Right. But again, I agree with you. It is the easiest position to judge. And I think that because it's just, it, it's become so magnified since all the kicking rules have changed, the pressure is more on kickers to succeed now more than ever. Sure. And uh, I I think that's why you're seeing kickers uh, sign to contracts that are very short is because that's their trial window. Right. It's very easy to find some guy who can go out and kick a field goal. There was one team, I don't remember who it was, but they they went out and um, gave a tryout to a kicker that they found on YouTube. Yeah. Who was doing like trick shot field goals.
0: Oh, I don't remember who it was. It
1: may have been. I think it was the Eagles. I could be wrong. But like literally... That's how easy it is to go out and find a kicker these days.
0: It's it's a really interesting question and and definitely worth doing more research on. So, hey, thank you so much, Hunter. Uh, We really, really appreciate it. Yeah.
1: Thank you to anybody who makes us do research for these questions.
0: Yeah. No, we love it, though, because that's, that's the whole you know what? The whole point and fun of this show is like kind of just the learning aspect of it. But we like to do things a little bit weirdly and differently. And, and it's fun to just kind of learn about these strange anomalies mm. and and things like that
1: a question for you based just on fantasy football how married <laughs> okay. how married are you to your uh, current kicker first of first of all let's talk about the the league that we'll talk about a little bit later mm-hmm. uh, which who's your kicker firstly
0: I I couldn't tell you okay and I think that and that was like my off question. the top of my head I don't have my phone with me um, but I think that tells you how not married I am okay I usually pick uh, the the best guy I think is available I know um, I, I don't usually go out and like specifically pick kickers. I remember one league this year when I was drafting, I uh, got really cocky about everything that I was doing, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna do like this move that no one's gonna expect of me, and it's gonna be awesome." And blah blah blah. And of course, I'm gonna lose in like all of my leagues this year. But um, but I went out and specifically picked up Aldrick Rosas from the Giants because he has been this year not as good as last year, but he's always been very reliable. And honestly. Like, a lot of teams, a lot more, there are more teams in the NFL um, than the Giants who, like, they're, sorry, words. Of the teams in the NFL, the Giants are not the most likely to be kicking field goals. But I would rather have a reliable kicker than a kicker who just happens to kick a lot of field goals. So, like, as opposed to a kicker who's going to miss a bunch.
1: Interesting. Okay. I think with exceptions... Any kicker can do well on any given day. Sure, exactly. I don't think it matters, and I don't think it should matter. And I, I feel like people, at least novice fantasy players, or maybe in my league, you know, in as a, as a, a generalization, uh, we place too much... Um, too much value on our kickers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, we we put too much value on our kickers, and uh, we we tend to stick with them, even though there are. You could literally just like switch out kickers in it. I don't think it would matter. Uh, with with exceptions, of course. I mean, you if you have a kicker who's like notably terrible, right. you're not gonna want him on your team. Like the kicker, the poor guy for the Jets earlier this year, who they brought in from like Norway. He he missed three field goals or something like that. I think any kicker can go off on any given day. Yeah, and absolutely. I, and it, it, I don't think it matters. And I think because it doesn't matter, that's an example of why the contracts these, these days are so short.
0: Well, I mean, and their jobs, too, rely so heavily on um, on what happens before they hit the field and, like, the defenses that they're playing and and um, and, you know, what's happening with their teammates before they are forced to you know, kick a field goal or kick an extra point. And so, um, so it really just, it depends. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I have always kind of seen, unfortunately, the kicker as expendable. And I think that maybe, maybe we should change that. Maybe. maybe, maybe a little bit of loyalty will, will kind of up the game of the kickers. Well, I bit. mean,
1: maybe a little bit. um, Like contract wise. Yeah, sure. But like, I wouldn't sign a guy to a contract if he's going out and missing field goals in clutch situations. No. I mean, it's a give and take kind of thing. I mean, you can't sign someone to a contract for five years just because they're your kicker. Right. You know, just because you have them on your team. They need to be able to perform well. And if they don't, they should be out.
0: Yeah. No, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you.
1: I never thought that we'd talk about kickers on this show like as seriously as we are.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? Every day is a Every day is a new surprise, baby.
1: It's true. It's true. Every single day. Um, if you have any questions for us, like Hunter, and you want to make us do more research, we welcome it, firstly. But feel free to uh, hit us up. Shoot us an email at andrewandcotta at gmail.com. Uh, if you have any other comments or anything like that, please feel free to send them our way, and we'll read them on the show if we really like them.
0: Hate mail is welcome, too. Yeah, true. Uh, we don't love it, but we will address <laughs> we it. We <laughs> accept it.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, when we come back, uh, we're going to talk about this. Uh, this There was a game that happened on Monday night.
0: Oh, my God. Yes. I, uh, j- uh, yes. We,
1: yes. There are no words. The, there are stories that are about to be shared from both sides also we're going to talk about some fantasy uh, and we have uh, potential mid-season awards to give away in the nfl stick around we'll be back welcome back everybody hi how you doing
0: Wow. I I mean I'm excited to I'm excited to get into our, our regularly scheduled programming here. Yes. Um there's a lot to go through. It's probably gonna be a long show, but M- it's maybe going so. to be fun. But
1: it's only because we had like the greatest game uh, of the year happen on Monday night.
0: Oh my god.
1: And we have to talk about it.
0: <laughs> Andrew. Don't we? I just uh nothing even okay, so a couple weeks ago, we did a whole thing on the the our favorite things about football. Raindrops and Roses. The whole ordeal. And, yeah, it made me feel a little bit better about the sport. Because this year, we've just seen a whole lot of bullshit. But um, it it's still, like, been not very easy to watch these games. And then Monday night happened.
1: Yeah, and it kind of blew the whole thing out of the water.
0: I am shooketh. Like the officiating was fine um the the teams were evenly matched
1: and the game was incredible
0: it was a ama- it was the game of the year dude i i think about season defining games and last year that game for me was when the la rams played the kansas city chiefs uh it was thanksgiving week oh
1: yes the the 54-51 game
0: oh my god it was that was a great game. and and i I found myself having those same feelings about this Monday night football game, which put the undefeated san francisco forty ers and the Seattle Seahawks on the same field. easily the two best teams in the division. I mean, it just it might be
1: the two best teams in the nFC
0: i I you know what? Sure. Fine. Let's just give it to him because that was incredible football. Just for different it, for different reasons, exactly. Because not all of it was good football. No, but no. no like, I'm
1: saying I'm saying it was different from from fifty four fifty one because in the game last year you had it was just all offense and there was no defense. There was plenty of defense in this game. There were like at least ten or fourteen plays that were just kind of like surreal, out of this world defensive plays. Yeah, it just it, it's crazy.
0: Oh um, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, and and that's on both sides. I mean, uh, we, I think we can agree that Jimmy Garoppolo was, he, he looked scared. It was the most fearful I think I've ever seen him on the field. Well,
1: it was because he lost, he didn't have George Kittle, who's his best player, his best receiving tight end. Right. And he also lost Emmanuel Sanders in this game and they were playing from behind. So when the ball is put in Jimmy Garoppolo's hands, Obviously, he doesn't. He, he's not relying on the run game because he needs to score points now. So, yeah, I mean, is he's, he's a young quarterback who hasn't really had to have the entire game put on his shoulders yet, and we saw that in in the game on Monday night.
0: Absolutely, and I but, agree.
1: I think he did look shaky.
0: But but the defense, I mean, their defense, you know, held it together, and and not to mention, I mean, Seattle's defense, which I've always said, uh, you know, I'm I'm partial to them, obviously, but I think, um, they were f- fearsome very fearsome and they were they were out there just making plays it was so funny I was with some friends on Monday night watching the game and I kept like I was gonna leave at halftime and then I got like sidetracked and I kept looking for an opportunity to leave and be like oh yeah that's the game like that's the end and it never came right it just I edge of edge of your seat the entire fucking time it was just beautiful football. Well, to your
1: point about Seattle's defense, uh, I thought San Francisco's defense looked great as well. I mean, I didn't believe that they were as good as they were. When they were down 21-10, when San Francisco was down 21-10, I was like, it's over. Seattle's going to run away with it. And then came the strip sack and touchdown of Russell Wilson. Right. And they made it 21-18. to And I was like, okay, this is this 8-0 49ers team that I've been hearing about. Now I believe that they're like, actually good and the fact that it like went into overtime and almost ended in a tie that showed me that that san francisco team is for real
0: oh yeah i mean just uh, and and that overtime too i mean just back and forth and back and forth and like like no one no one could just hang on to the ball long enough and then seattle just pulled it out it's like it's because almost they're
1: seattle and that's what they do
0: you know no and you know what you're you're right to some degree but I, and we're going to get into our, our mid-season awards soon, so you'll hear what I have to say, but it's, it's Russell Wilson, because Russell Wilson has Chris Carson. Russell Wilson has... Um, DK Metcalf. DK Metcalf, yeah, who had a great game. I, it was amazing. Um, he's got good players, but none of them are what one might call great. We haven't seen Hall of Fame... Quality plays from them quite yet You know most of them at least And and Russell Wilson has taken This team of People who are mostly a lot younger Than him and just Turned the tape. I mean this is His team he is Making plays when he doesn't Really have the weaponry that That this game is Designed to need you know It's I, I Just I, I mean I'm so happy For him I'm so happy for him. But what just what a game for him.
1: Truly. Yeah. Uh, last night was um, high quality stuff from Russell Wilson. Yeah. All the way through. Even being able to battle back from almost winning the game and throwing an interception in the red zone to like the defense getting a stop to him, you know, making the play with his legs on third down for rushing for 18 yards to set up the field goal.
0: Oh my God. He, I, I, he was on his feet. Literally. a lot. He was running that ball a lot. And and in the beginning it was it was really scary um cuz I so we'll talk about this later but Russell Wilson was my fantasy quarterback and um my opponent was done for the week and all I had left was Russell Wilson to play and in the beginning, you know, the interceptions early, you know, the points kept going down and I was starting to get a little panicky, but it I mean, he hold pulled out all this stuff. He did Russell Wilson things.
1: He this did Russell fair. Wilson things. Yeah. Uh, this game was uh, particularly uh, intriguing for me on a fantasy level. Talk to me. So as commissioner, I, I run this league and I, um, I'm i in charge of, you know, making sure that all the teams in the league, we've got 10 of them, that they all, uh, you know, they get their recap every Tuesday. But like, I'm also, I'm also the one who like pays the most attention to football, just in general in my league because that's what I do but this game should not have had as big of an impact as it did on um, as many games as it did in my league there were two games that could have gone either way just based on the outcome of this game two matchups two matchups that could have gone either way based on how this game turned out like it was close so and they kind of like are they're kind of intertwined so I just want to like run through this really quickly in this kind of like inception type thing of like going back and forth between um between storylines.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, okay. So you've got two teams. You've got uh so this team is run by this kid named Danny and this other team is run by um our uh, our friend Natalia and her friend Heather. Uh and so it's um Natalia's team is called Lookout Ribbons, which is a play on the the show Burn This that was at the was is at my theater. And then the other uh Danny's team is called the Midshow Phone Calls. So it's the ribbons against the phone calls. So we've got that, okay? The other game that I'm going to talk about is called Dill Pickle, which is our boss's 11-year-old son, against Hall of Famers, which is a, um, our, um, another one of our friends, John. So there, there's two games. So you've got Lookout Ribbons against the mid-show phone calls and Hall of Famers against Dill Pickle. You follow me so far? Sure. Great. So for one, you've got Lookout Ribbons is up by like eight points at the start of this Monday night game. Okay. And they've got Chris Carson left to play. Okay. Danny, the mid-show phone calls, are down by eight. They've got Russell Wilson and Josh Gordon left to play. Ooh. So you see where you see where this is going. Ooh. Okay? So, you know, I thought it was, um, I really thought that Danny was going to win just because Russell Wilson's going to end up throwing the ball. Of course. Against a, a tough um, San Francisco defense. But then Carson scores a touchdown. And the ribbons go up by like eleven points, and I'm freaking out because I'm just you know I want Natalia's a close friend of mine, so I want her to do well. So you know I'm cheering for her. But then it got to the point where like three minutes later, Wilson threw a touchdown pass to Jacob Hollister. Yes, and so
0: Hollister, by the way, another another standout last night. Yeah, for
1: real. I was real surprised. I hated him when he was in New England because he didn't do a damn thing. Maybe it just (laughs) wasn't the right quarterback.
0: He was all the hell over the place.
1: I thought so too. So yeah, uh, ribbons up by eleven. And then Russell Wilson throws a touchdown pass to Jacob Hollister, so he gets points on that. And so the lead is, like, five points. Okay. And then all of a sudden, Wilson starts to throw to Josh Gordon, who had zero points up until this point, until, like, the fourth quarter. Uh Uh-huh. And so Gordon starts to get points, and so the lead for the ribbons goes down to, like, three points, And I'm tearing my hair out. I'm like, oh, my God, this is so close. Like a touchdown pass for Russell Wilson could win the game. And it stayed that way well into overtime.
0: Oh, my Lord. So it got to the
1: point where a touchdown pass for Russell Wilson would give Wilson four points and give Danny the win by like half a point. So I'm, you know, I'm over here and they're driving down the field. And I'm like, oh no, he's going to throw a touchdown pass and this game's going to be over. <laughs> oh, no. And then Wilson throws an interception in the red zone in overtime. Yeah, and the- I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh my God, oh my God. And thankfully they only had to like drive down the field to get a field goal at the end. Right. And not score a touchdown. And like Wilson, you know, running 18 yards on third down with his legs and getting almost two points for that. That was scary enough. But thankfully it was that field goal that like, Put everybody that out of their misery it. and sealed it. Yep. So that's that one. On the other side, we have Dill Pickle, which is our boss's 11 year old son, against our friend John and his team, Joe and Hall of Famers. Now, Dill Pickle is in last place. He's two and seven, okay? And we really want him to do well because he lost last year and we don't want to have a kid lose two years in a row. Right. So here's the situation, right? Joe and Hall of Famers is up by 21.9 points. And they have Emmanuel Sanders left to play. Okay. Dill Pickle, down by 21.9, has Tyler Lockett, who scored almost 30 points last week, and the Seattle defense. Yup. Now, the problem with the Seattle defense is that they're playing a team that is 8-0. They're playing a team that is undefeated and scores a lot of points on offense. Right, They've right. They've got a great running game with three running backs who can do just as much damage as, as, as you know, each one of them can. But right. the
0: Seattle defense is, is good. Yeah, and They're that was underrated. on display last
1: night. So, well, early in, early in the game, I thought it was, like, over. I really did because, you know, Heath, um, Garoppolo threw to Emmanuel Sanders a couple times. He's up to, like, two and a half points. You know, the 49ers go up 10 nothing. The Seattle defense is down to eight points, and I'm just like, okay, this is it's, all, it's over. It's all done. And then Jadavian Clowney strips, sacks Jimmy Garoppolo, and runs the ball in for a touchdown. How incredible. So that's one point for the sack, two points for the fumble, and six points for the touchdown. Yep. So that's a nine-point swing, and all of a sudden, the game gets a lot closer. Yeah. They sack him later in the fourth quarter, and then they uh, I think Garoppolo throws another interception. Yep, that happens. So the Seahawks are at 22 points on defense, and combine that with Tyler Lockett's two and a half points, the lead is 88.6 to 88.2 keep in mind at this point emmanuel sanders has gone down with an injury and is done for the game
0: this is killer the lead oh is four God.
1: tenths of a point and ah. if Jill and hall of famers is going to hang on to win they're going to have to hope that the seattle defense doesn't get one more sack or one more turnover against jimmy garoppolo but so yes so here's the thing the seahawks had multiple opportunities to put this game away, both in real life and both for Dill Pickle. Okay.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Most importantly, it came after uh, it was like twenty. It was twenty-one, twenty-one. Mm-hmm. So by the time San Francisco tied the game at twenty-one, the defense, Seattle defense was down to seventeen points, and the lead was like two point four points or something like that. The Seattle defense got a sack, bumps them back up to eighteen. Uh huh. On third down in the red zone, with like I don't know, five seconds to play. On third down, Garoppolo throws a ball into the hands of I think it was Bobby Wagner, who just who had it and just straight up dropped it. Yep. It was that one. And right uh, a little bit earlier when I said all Seattle needs is an interception to seal the game, and all Dill Pickle needs is a pick uh, to win the game. Garoppolo threw it to K.J. Wright, who had it and dropped it. Like, four different times Seattle had an opportunity to win it, and the ball went in and out of the hands of their receivers. And that time on third down when, uh, uh, when Bobby Wagner had it and dropped it, that third down was an incomplete pass, and it ended up setting up the game tying field goal, which sent the game to overtime, which dropped the defense again another point.
0: Look, they had the stressfuls, and and reasonably so. I completely understand. I'm like stress talking I don't, about it. I don't, Jeez, I don't think it has anything to do with how good or or how not good Seattle is. I think it was that was a very very challenging game. That was the most challenging game that I have seen fairly played this season.
1: Yeah, really, there weren't there were no officiating deals. No. I mean, there were um, Yeah, it was just a, a, a great game with you know, it went back and forth the whole way through. Uh, Dill Pickle ended up losing that game, by the way, by uh, by like four four point two points. It was a, a heartbreaker in a season filled with frustration already. So my heart goes out to him.
0: Oh man. Poor guy. But
1: jeez, was that one hell of a game? I huh? mean,
0: guys, this is this is what we live for. This is what we live for. I cannot wait to see more games just like this one. I'm particularly excited for this weekend because the Giants are on bye, and uh, I don't really have to deal so with they them. So I don't
1: have to lose this week, which is nice,
0: right? But I can I can look out for more for more interesting matchups like this, and you know, not be stressed and stressed and all of the things. Exactly. But it just it wow, what a game! What yeah. a, a game of the year.
1: In a, in a year where we've been like, oh, man, the NFL is, you know, I don't know what we're going to get this year. The, it, you, there's always one that kind of restores your faith. And for me, this was it on Monday
0: night. It's a box of chocolates, baby. Yeah, it's for
1: real. Let's take a break. Okay. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to talk about uh, our NFL Midseason Awards. And uh, we've got some fantasy football to talk about. So stick around. We'll be right back.
0: segment we wanted to address the fact that we are more than halfway now through the new NFL season.
1: Crazy. I feel like we like just started.
0: I cannot believe it. I am shooketh that we are so far. And and it sucks too, because all I know, year years the football's like half over. I know. All year uh. we, we wait, we wait, we or all summer rather at least. We wait, we wait we wait. It comes and it just goes so quickly. I know. Um and then but of course by the time by the time that we're done with it, it's like Wow, that was a, was long, a long season. Time. Yeah, I, I mean, you think
1: about it. The playoffs are the playoffs are five weeks long, mm-hmm. six weeks long, because you've got one, two, three. Yeah, no, five weeks long.
0: And um, and on top of it, I mean, y- you just look at it like we've done. This is our eleventh show. I mean, it doesn't feel like we've done eleven shows, but no. You know.
1: I mean, at the beginning of the the season, I was like, "Oh wow, it's week one." I mean, think about what it's going to be like when it's like week you know week ten or eleven, and all of a sudden here we are at week ten. Yeah, and I'm just like, "Oh my god, where did the time go?" It's
0: pretty pretty nuts. Oh my god,
1: the playoffs are going to be here before we know it. I know. Um, but since we're halfway through, um, I figure since everybody else is doing it, let's um, I want to go ahead and give out some mid season awards. Okay. Or either that or like you know like predictions as to who are going to win, which players have done the best, and who's going to win like your uh, your MVP and your your Offensive Rookie of the Year and things like that. So I figured that we go ahead. This is uh, UFR's midseason NFL awards. Uh, so we've got, how many do we have? One, two, three, four, six. We've got seven awards that we're giving out. Uh, we're going to do MVP, Offensive and Defensive uh, Players of the Year, Offensive and Defensive Rookies of the Year. We have a Most Improved category and a Most Underrated category. Sure. Uh, let's talk about MVP. In your opinion, who stands out as the candidate most likely to win MVP?
0: So I I have Russell Wilson. My argument in favor of this is that and and you will probably fight me. I'm prepared, but I don't really I think of, of all of these quarter because it's almost always a quarterback. Um, I think of all of these quarterbacks that we're seeing this year. Russell Wilson's done an amazing job not having a whole lot to go off of. I mean, he's got Chris Carson. He's great. You know, he's got Tyler Lockett. Pretty good, too. But like. He's he's using every man on that field in a very special way that that he believes to be the right way. Um, Not sure how much of that is him and how much of it is coaching. But um, he's he is, I think, by far the best guy out there right now, considering what he's working with.
1: I think that's accurate. I mean, he makes things happen out on that field. I mean, and you said it. I mean, he does. He doesn't have a lot to deal with. Uh, he's got he's got Carson and Lockett and I mean now he's got Josh Gordon too but like he goes out there and he makes plays like it frustrates me to no end whenever I see him scramble around and him you know make these busted plays and he just chucks the ball down the field and someone catches it and runs it in for a touchdown right he is the most valuable player to that team absolutely so I totally agree with you. Um, I, I think that he is uh, absolutely a likely candidate he's not my candidate my candidate is actually Lamar Jackson. Fair, kind of the you know the same reason he goes out there and he makes things happen. He gave himself, I think, a strong case uh, for MVP this past weekend against the Bengals. I mean, I'm gonna do like a like a uh, um, <laughs> I'm gonna do like a warped Sports Center stat thing on you here. Okay. So through Lamar's first 16 starts, he has more wins than Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes' first 16 starts. Sure. He has more rushing yards than Ladanian Tomlinson's first 16 starts in his first 16. He has a better passer rating than Tom Brady. He has more yards per attempt than Aaron Rodgers, and he has a better completion percentage than Drew Brees. Wow. He is also on pace to break Patrick Mahomes' record for fantasy points in a season, which for me is the most important thing considering he's on my fantasy team.
0: You know, it's so—I think I—can I just say real quick? I think I saw a tweet with, like, all of those stats earlier today. Correct. And I remember thinking to myself— This is the dumbest tweet I've ever seen in my life. I mean, obviously, look, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is not good. I think he is absolutely one of the best quarterbacks we have seen in this generation. Um, he is a generational talent. I just think it is so funny how you can make anyone look better. Oh, absolutely. By do- like, you could, you could do the same thing with Brock Osweiler if you wanted to. I was to. doing it earlier like, this year. I
1: was like, I was like, yeah, Gardner Minshew's better than Tom Brady because he's done whatever in his first game or something like that. You can make
0: anyone look good by, by doing that. And you can just be like, oh, oh, he's not better than Aaron Rodgers in this category? Well, then let's see if he's better than uh, Drew Brees. You right, But exactly. <laughs>
1: But the, but the thing with Lamar Jackson is that everybody thought that he would be this like, you know, solely running quarterback and he would just, you know, you know, the next Mike Vick or whatever. Like he take the ball and just run with it. But this season, he surprised everybody by being a passing quarterback. Right. And I think that's what surprised people. And it showed that he can do both. He can be a runner and he can be an effective passer. And he's made the Ravens better. They're leading their division. You know, they're running away with it. He they embarrassed the Patriots on Sunday night at home. Yeah. I mean, I I really think Lamar Jackson uh has a case here for, yeah. for MVP.
0: Look, I, I don't disagree with you. In fact, if we're gonna move on. I have Lamar Jackson as my offensive player of the year. Got
2: it. Okay. Um
0: for similar reasons that I, you know, I won't repeat, but uh but in, interesting um I, I kind of have a runner up for offensive player of the year. Okay. And I just kind of wanted to run this by you. Sure. Um I so the player is Teddy Bridgewater. Okay. And here's why. Now we are in a situation where Teddy Bridgewater went in for Drew Brees and went 5 and 0 oh, and Brees has now as of Sunday gone 2 and 2 this season. Right. I'm not suggesting in any way that Brees needs to go and they need to put Bridgewater back in. Um and I don't I don't think that they will regardless because I think that Brees is nearing the end of his career and he's got a lot of loyalty. There's a lot of loyalty to him in that franchise. But I I wanted to just bring him up as a potential candidate for this because he it, it, it's probably it's not going to happen this year. What I'm saying is that he is definitely a candidate for the future.
1: Oh sure, I mean the the fact that he went in and, and replaced Drew Brees and won five games without
0: him. Yeah, and it now officially has a a record twice as good, more yeah. than twice as good as Brees he should as
1: earn a contract. He should earn a starting spot on a team. Uh, next year he, he should,
0: and that's the funny thing about it is he absolutely should. Yes, but is he going to leave New Orleans? I don't think so. I don't know.
1: Well, if you were playing backup and you you know got a job to start, wouldn't you take it? If the offer were good enough, I would take it. I don't think you will, really, though. That's a really interesting point about Teddy Bridgewater. I think I he's mean,
0: really happy where he is.
1: Five, in my opinion, five games doesn't equal a whole season. Sure. So it's uh, I don't think it's ever going to happen him winning offensive player of the year but it's a uh it's a good case um my offensive player of the year is Christian McCaffrey okay for Carolina Panthers you made a great point about the uh, MVP never being anything other than a quarterback mm-hmm. and I think if you're gonna pick an MVP that's not a quarterback it's Christian McCaffrey yeah I mean the dude has uh just this season alone 989 rush yards he has 11 touchdowns already through nine through 10 games which is more than his first two seasons on the ground combined he's also got 396 receptions uh, 396 receiving yards for three touchdowns the dude is a freak yeah yeah uh so I mean if it's not Russell Wilson or or Lamar Jackson, it should be Christian McCaffrey.
0: Right. No, I I don't disagree with you. This is, you know, I really like these awards because we get to, like, speak very highly about all these players. It's, like, not us being assholes. Um, Who? Why don't you take this one? Who's your offensive rookie of the year? My offensive rookie of the year
1: is Josh Jacobs for the Oakland Raiders. He, uh, I think he's just a runaway for the award. I mean, I think he's got it in the bag. He is, uh, he's got 811 rushing yards, which puts him fourth in the league among active running backs right now. Um he's got seven touchdowns. By the way, the Raiders are five and four. Yeah, the Oakland Raiders yeah. have a winning record without Antonio Brown. <laughs>
0: that's pretty crazy. Um oh, dude, without it, who cares about that? But yeah, yeah, I know, still. but like
1: everybody thought that they, you know, they'd be in the tubes. Yeah. You know, since they, you know, they lost this great receiver, but they found you know, this revelation in Josh Jacobs. He's great. I mean, he was rookie of the month in October, and he's like he's clutch. He didn't have a great game against the Chargers uh a a couple weeks ago. But he had the game-winning touchdown, which I think is important. He's the only running back in the last seven years with two games of more than 25 carries with no negative yards. So I think it's really important that, like, when he runs with the ball, he he's able to uh, like move forward and deal blows instead of receiving them. And I think that's really important for a running back. And I think he's made all the difference to a team that really didn't have any direction to start the season. Interesting. So for that for that reason, Josh Jacobs is my offensive rookie of the year. Okay. Cool. Can I take a guess at yours? Sure. Is it Daniel Jones? No. It's not? Okay. No. Please. Uh,
0: no. And we will, I would like to talk about this later, but. Because it, it hit
1: me right before the show. I was like, ah, shit, I know who our offensive rookie of the year is, and now no. I have to defend no. mine. Okay. Who is your offensive who, rookie who of the year? Who am
0: I if I'm not surprising you? Fair enough. Uh, so I have DK DK Metcalf. Ooh, interesting um, choice. And, and, yes, and it is interesting. And. The reason is because we haven't really seen a whole lot of them yet, but we're gonna. I really, truly believe that we're gonna. Uh-huh.
1: Um, if he's got, uh, if he has a, a home stretch like he did in week nine.
0: Yeah. W- I
1: would think DK Metcalf would be up there for offensive rookie of the year.
0: A hundred percent. And and particularly considering what we were talking about with Seattle not really having the weaponry that that would really serve Russell Wilson so well. Um, I, I think that DK is a really good um, opportunity for Russell to kind of like really train like a new guy underneath him, um, and also I I just want to throw out too like I think it's pretty amazing that the Seahawks and the Niners are like leading the division. You know, I love that.
1: It's two two good teams,
0: two really good teams who honestly like weren't really in the conversation like the Super Bowl conversation this year. And remember remember back to Russell Wilson. Remember when. There was, there was a conversation last year that was like, is Russell Wilson done? Ha! Ha! Just wanted to, again, throw that out there.
1: That's solid. I like that.
0: Who's your defensive player of the year?
1: You go first on this one.
2: All right,
0: fine. Uh, Aaron Donald still.
1: Okay. Third year in a row. Yep. Wow.
0: Uh, he's made the Rams' offensive drives really super unbearably boring to watch. Um, like when I'm watching a game, I'm watching only like I'm flipping channels like just to get to the defense. Despite the Rams not performing as well as predicted, uh, making a run they're They're really in that Super Bowl hangover and that loss and just kind of floundering around. And I think the one good thing about them is Aaron Donald right now.
1: Mm-hmm. That's valid. So um, my defensive player of the year is Stephon Gilmore. Cornerback for the Patriots. Sure. Uh, Patriots have the second best defense in the NFL at the moment. Um, Second best pass defense. Uh, Gilmore is, I think, the best corner in football at the moment. Um, The dude's got three interceptions, one of them for a touchdown. He's got 10 passes defended and 27 tackles this season. Um, He's just able to cover your team's best receiver no matter what. And we haven't really seen him get beat at all this year. Um, He has become the standout stud corner that the Patriots have been looking for. Uh, since Darrell Rivas left, yeah, um, I he uh, he is the front runner. Last I checked, I think the Vegas odds had him at plus six hundred. Um, I would not be surprised if he is in the conversation at the end of the year. Should, I would the, should should the Patriots continue their success on defense?
0: Absolutely, I I definitely agree with you. Do you have a
1: Do you have a defensive rookie
0: of the year? I've been just so impressed by Nick Bosa.
1: Agreed, he's also mine.
0: Obviously, forty ers being doing 49ers things that we didn't know that they could do again. um, uh, Just a really, really quality defensive end. I don't know. He's, you know, when I think about these conversations of like, you know, who the best players are and whatever, I think about if this player was missing from a roster, what it would do to a team. And I think, I think the Niners would be in a little bit of trouble without Nick Bosa.
1: I think his defining moment of this year was when he just like ate Kyle Allen for yes. breakfast against the Carolina Panthers. Yes. He sacked him three times and then took an interception uh back for a touchdown, I think.
0: It was a, that was a beautiful beautiful game. Yeah,
1: if there were like Oscar packages for like NFL awards, that would be his Oscar package. 100%. It was just the, the 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 devouring of Kyle Allen. Right. Uh, so, yeah, no, the the 49ers had the best defensive football. And it's no surprise that uh, one of the Bosa brothers is uh, leading the pack on that. So we I agree. It. He's also he's also my defensive rookie of the year.
0: Oh, good. Yeah. Woo! We've never agreed. That's awesome. Nailed it.
1: Awesome. Um, I've got a, a most improved player of the year. Yeah, and go I for wanna it. know if I want to know if you agree with me on this. My most improved player is Josh Allen, quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. I love that pick. So from last year to this year, just everything that Josh Allen has done has improved. I mean, his record is better. He was 5-6 in 11 games he started last year. He's 6-3 and three through 9 games this year. The Bills are, like, actually playoff contenders. His uh, uh his touchdown per game average has improved. It went from 10, 10 touchdowns through 11 games last year. He's got 10 touchdowns in 9 games this year. Uh, his completion percentage has gone up. His touchdown percentage has gone up. The dude has just straight up gotten better. Mm-hmm. And when you're able to, like, actually compete in the AFC East... I think that's something to be proud of. Yeah. So Josh Allen's become uh, one of the more solid quarterbacks in the NFL from last year to this year. So he's my most improved player.
0: I love that pick. I think I love that pick more than my pick. Okay. Because my pick is a little bit more just sentimental. Um. But another Buffalo Bill, Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Frank Gore. Okay. Now, here's the thing. Frank Gore hasn't necessarily improved, but he's like in the traditional sense. But he's finally working with a team that is earning him the recognition that he has deserved for so long. Okay. This motherfucker is old. He is a running back. Running backs don't usually last as long as he has. And he is, you know, setting setting new records for himself that I truly, if you'd asked me three four years ago, I didn't think Frank Gore would still be playing in the league, let alone playing as well as he is, Um, obviously, with the assistance of Josh Allen. So that was that was mine. But Frank Gore is also my most underrated. Again,
1: he's the most underrated. Okay. Yeah.
0: And and that's just moving into the next category. Sure. Most underrated. Uh, it's it's rare that you see that kind of talent at that age, having, you know, been thrown from team to team, um, obviously coming to the bills from the Dolphins right. and the bills not supposed to be as good as they are this year. It's really got to kind of take a toll on you physically and also Emotionally, like you, you start to think like, "Wow, am I ever gonna fucking win a Super Bowl?" And no,
1: but continue.
0: I mean, <sighs> the answer might still be no. We don't know, but but I think that Frank Gore has just done some incredible work this year, and I'm I'm very happy for him.
1: Nice, yeah. He's he's at a. It's a feel good story for sure. Absolutely. Uh, my most underrated player might not be so underrated. It's Amari Cooper. Okay. For the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Since this dude came over from Oakland, he has totally changed the fortunes of the Dallas Cowboys. you There was a stat that uh, that went up last night in this ridiculous, stupid Top Gun graphic, and like Amari Cooper was Maverick, but the stats were the stats were there. Since the trade, the Cowboys are 12 and five. Yeah. I think before it, it was you know like a 500 record or something like that. He's just made the Cowboys better um in 2018 when he came over from the Raiders uh from whenever he was traded to the end of the year his average yard per game was 107 which is the most by a lot in a player uh for a player to switch teams midseason wow. for another team yeah the dude has like made the team night and day and it just he's turned his career around when he was in Oakland everybody was like oh man you're going to be really great and then he wasn't and everybody was like you suck and then they uh then he went over to Dallas and he's he's completely changed his outlook mm-hmm. he's become one of the best receivers in football in my opinion and his connection with Dak Prescott is like is unlike any other that I've seen. It's the,
0: definitely something special. Seriously.
1: So he's my he's my most underrated. Not that he's like, you know, underrated. He's their best receiver. But mm-hmm. he's under the shadow of all these other great offensive players that we're talking about. And I think Amari Cooper should be should be um, talked about more.
0: Okay. Yeah. I like it. Uh, can I throw a curveball at you? You sure can. <laughs> Sports punts. Um, uh, baseball. Who, uh, who's your most overrated player?
1: Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, man. Most overrated player. Yeah. Oh, boy. Well, it can't be anybody who's injured, right? Can it? It can. No, I mean, I'm going to say Cam Newton, but like, nah.
0: Minus. Is it Cam Newton? (laughs) No, not Cam Newton, but it is someone who's injured. Is it
1: someone who's injured? Okay, why don't you go ahead and go first? All right. Yeah.
0: Sterling Shepard?
1: Okay, explain.
0: So, uh... So that I have time to think. (laughs) I I think that Sterling Shepard is... the reason I mean and obviously look Sterling Shepard is not overrated by any stretch of the imagination I mean he hasn't he hasn't played in the last three games but my my issue is suddenly everyone is kind of blaming the Giants on the fact that they like quote unquote have no team right now and that's just like not the case um There's suddenly all this talk about should Sterling Shepard retire, which, by the way, he is way too young for. I mean, I obviously this concussion situation is is a problem. And if if he's in pain and he can't be at practice and playing games, then, yeah, maybe he should. Maybe he should consider it. But I just I think that Sterling Shepard is overrated because like if you're going to point fingers at why the Giants keep losing games, which they just (laughs) they just keep losing games, um, you point your fingers at Shermer, sure, uh, but that wasn't the question. The most overrated player is Sterling Shepherd, because everyone believes that he is like the almighty and potentially could, when he comes back, bring the Giants to some kind of a record because I don't even call what we have right now a record. Um,
1: it's two and eight, right? <laughs> oh, boy. I predicted that they'd win six games. Uh, that's so. not
0: going very well, well
1: for you. you know, they got to win out, right?
0: Sure. Yeah, okay. What do you got?
1: Uh, I've got, I had two. They both play for the same team. Okay. Uh, they're both Cleveland Browns. Um, <laughs> but the one that I wanted to settle on uh, was Odell Beckham Jr. Oh. Because he, uh, he plays for me. I'm trying to find his name on this. Uh, oh, there he is. Okay, cool. So uh, he ranks 116th so far this year in uh, touchdown receptions. He's behind names like oh Tyler Boyd, who's you know injured. He's behind names like Jacob Hollister, who who is that? He's behind names like uh, Jaron Brown, who plays for Seattle. Who I've never friggin' heard of before. He play. He's behind Jordan Atkins, behind Tyler Eifert, who plays for Cincinnati, which is where football careers go to die. He's behind Gerald Everett, the backup tight end for the Los Angeles Rams. He's behind a whole bunch of other players. The dude. If I had known that the Cleveland Browns were never going to throw the ball to him, I never would have picked him for my fantasy team. Right. Which also ties into the fact that Baker Mayfield is one of the most overrated players I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's kind of like, he, he had like a Tim Tebow slash Johnny Menzel type deal without, you know, all the, um, the, uh, the, the bad quarterback throws and all the, um, the drug stuff in that he's had a great first couple of games and then ever, and then he finally played like some real teams and it's just kind of gone down the tubes. Part of me thinks that they should have kept Greg Williams as head coach because I feel like he, he knew how to... I mean, you look at me like, you know, what are you talking about? But, I mean, they won some games with him. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but...
0: Uh, uh, uh,
1: I know. Baker Mayfield yeah. and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. are my two overrated players of the year.
0: Those because, are good picks. God,
1: have they been terrible this year.
0: Those are tr- traditional and good picks. I like that. Yeah, those.
1: I was like, okay, who means the most to me in this situation? And it's Odell because he's done fuck nothing me. All right. That's a lot. Let's take a break. Okay. When we come back, we're going to talk about some fantasy football. Okay. Uh, I have some news to share. Yeah. So stick around. Yeah. We shall be back. Okay. Goodbye. Goodbye. All right. We're back.
0: Let's bring it on home. Last stretch. Hello. Huh?
1: Let's talk about some fantasy, yeah? Oh, God. Yeah, we can talk about fantasy. It's going to be great.
0: All right. Well, let's talk about yours first, then. Let's talk about what's, uh, what ended up happening with, with your team or your, I'm sorry, your league.
1: Okay. So, uh, last week I had talked about, um, an issue that my league faced, uh, in regards to intentionally sitting players to, um, like take a knee on the, uh, on a lead to protect the lead. Um, I talked to this guy who uh, benched the New England Patriots with a 13-point lead. Initially, I wanted to dock him, you know, some points for um, sitting on a lead that he didn't need to sit on in order to like prove a point or something like that. And I went and I asked him about it. I just straight up, I was like, "Okay, explain yourself." His answer was that he was at a bar with some friends and he'd been drinking, and he just uh, misread the score briefly and said it, he thought it was a two-point lead, or a three-point lead and not a 13-point lead. I see. In that situation, I understand. Um, overall, I, I discussed it with a couple of other owners, and we kind of determined that he did not break any rules that are in place. He really just like violated a, an unwritten code that's there for fantasy football. Right. So I think what I'm going to do is next season uh, invoke some rules that require that you field a competitive team. Like, there's no kneeling, There will be penalties for kneeling Mm -hmm. on a ball, you know. Uh, So I think that's the more honorable thing to do is just kind of just like let it go and make changes for next year. However, he did receive his comeuppance because guess what? He lost this past weekend. Woo! So the undefeated guy who did all this controversial stuff lost over the weekend. Love it. It was great. Love to see it. I was watching with the player who beat him. On Sunday night, as we watched the Cowboys uh, lose to the Minnesota Vikings, however, uh, this player had uh, Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper, both of whom had huge games. Absolutely. Uh, she needed 29 points in order to uh, break even over this guy. She ended up with 47. Yes, man. Between those two players. Yes, ma'am. So the undefeated player has gone down. And so I just, I, I think it's a great little, like, storybook ending. Of course. Uh, my team, on the other hand, also won over the weekend. Uh, Thanks in part to uh, future MVP Lamar Jackson, who had uh, a league-high 33 points. (laughs) That was great. Uh, I also started two tight ends this weekend which I've never done before.
0: And that's interesting because I do that a lot, actually.
1: Yeah, uh, I started Hunter Henry in my tight end position and then Austin Hooper, who's been my go-to tight end as my flex. And together, they came up with 16.7 points. Not bad. So we're pretty happy about that. I also started Ronald Jones, who I picked up off the free agent wire. Okay, yeah, he, okay. Since he became the, uh, the Tampa Bay starting running back, Tampa Bay beat Arizona over the weekend. Like, Tampa Bay is like subtly like not terrible. Mm-hmm. Like, Bruce Arians is a good head coach. No, I know. And I don't know why people don't appreciate him enough. Um, so I'm I hold the second best record in the league now. I'm sitting at seven and three. Not going to win my division because I got to play um, the the guy who the formerly undefeated guy next week. But um, I'm sitting pretty. I'm at seven and three. I like my chances right now.
0: Hey, not too I think, shabby. I think all
1: I've got to do is win like one or two more games, and I'm like I've clinched my I punched my ticket to the postseason. Right. So I feel per- good about that. That's How about, perfect. Let's talk about you.
0: Oh God. All right. Well, we're gonna focus on one of my leagues. Which one? Um, We're we're gonna do Fordham. My, the Fordham League. my my undergraduate theater crew Fordham League, which I was not invited to participate in until after I graduated, but whatever. Great. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Not bitter. Um. So I won this week. Did you? Yep. All right. Yep. Uh. <laughs> so I I was texting you. Um. I usually it's funny because I usually don't ask you for fantasy advice, but um, but I was really... I know not
1: to ask you for fantasy, vi- fantasy <laughs> advice now.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I tend to put people in pickles. But yes. at least this year, it's not been my year as we know, but um, I was in quite a quandary. Um, I my running back depth is not strong enough for or, or my tight end depth, for that matter, to have played either of those positions in my flex, whereas my wide out depth is pretty, pretty strong. So, I had to decide my here are my the the wideouts that I was considering playing, and I could only play three. I had Michael Thomas, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, and Darius Slayton. So my argument for Darius Slayton was the Giants being the Giants, and also with Sterling Shepherd being out right He's probably i mean he's had a couple of pretty good weeks uh with sterling Shepard out and and I figured he would do. Some damage he did, but I did not play him. Gotcha. So, uh, Darius Layton put up 24.1 points for me yesterday. Yes, our scoring is a little bit different than yours is, but um,
1: you play PPR if I'm not mistaken. Yes, okay.
0: And and I saw that happening and I was very upset I did some yelling and then I turned off the game and then I turned it back on, but um, but I turned it back <laughs> on once I realized that I was okay because I ended up playing Christian Kirk. Michael Gallup and Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas, I knew I was going to play. Um, yes, of course. That was an easy choice. Obviously, you know, I they lost on Sunday, but it's still it was a good choice. Uh, Michael Gallup and Christian Kirk were kind of the ones that were up in the air. And Christian Kirk, obviously being the Arizona wide receiver. Is a good choice in theory, but has really been kind of a wild card.
1: Yeah. Feast or famine. I, we talked about this. You said you texted me. Um, I told you that Kirk was the wild card. Yeah. Kirk was like playing the lottery. Yeah. I mean, you're either going to get nothing or you're going to get everything. And Boom or bust. Luckily, you got everything.
0: I got yeah, everything. The dude
1: had three touchdowns over the weekend. This is, you is know, pretty good.
0: 31.8 points. Not bad. And Michael Gallup did not disappoint either. 13.6 points. So uh walking out of Sunday, I uh I had 86.3 and my teammate had 89 and my teammate was done and I still had Russell Wilson to play.
1: There you go. So and Russell Wilson was Russell Wilson. Of course. Of course.
0: So naturally, uh, uh, by by the end of the night Sunday, I was pretty convinced that even though I was a couple points under, obviously, that I was going to win. And, and that felt really good. Now, of course, looking into the league as a whole. <laughs> um, not
1: so much. And I've seen these standings and you were like, yeah, I'm doing pretty well. And then I looked over the standings and you're in last place, not just in record, but also in points scored. Okay, You are statistically the worst team in your league.
0: I know. I know. And it's so funny, though, because, what you know, when we so our commissioner just much much the same as you do sends out weekly email recaps and started the recap last week with everyone not even kim everyone is still in contention for a wild card and i'm like okay cool cool i'ma play for that wild card this week hell yeah and uh and i and i gotta win which is great brings my record to four and six love that um, All right, four and six, two
1: games under 500. Your division leader is eight and one, so you have no shot at that division.
0: Oh, yeah. Tony is a monster. Um, yeah. Do you have a tip of the week?
1: My tip of the week. Oh, God. We had another team uh, drop a high profile player at the start of the week and get picked up by a really good team. Uh, we had one team drop Adam Thielen.
2: Oh. Yeah.
1: On Wednesday, and he was picked up by um formerly undefeated guy. Right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So yeah, he, won't be play, not- he won't be playing for two weeks, but when he comes back, it might be a problem. Yeah. Uh, so, again, my tip of the week last week which was to uh, drop your high-profile players uh, later in the week so that people can't play them on Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: My tip of the week is don't be afraid to switch up your flex formations. Yeah. I started two tight ends this week, and it really paid off. If you have one tight end that's uh, projected to be really good, but you have another tight end that's like your homeboy and like has been putting up good points for you, don't be afraid to play them both. You know, especially if you have if you have room for a, a second tight end, don't yeah. be afraid to do it. Tight ends can get you points as well as running backs and wide receivers can.
0: A hundred percent. I I totally agree. Definitely underrated.
1: Especially if, you know, it's like playoff time. So don't be afraid to try to make a push in any way that you can.
0: Go with your gut. If you've got an instinct about a guy and you think like, oh, it hasn't really been great in the last couple of weeks, but maybe it's it's due time for a boom re- boom week. Definitely, you know, give it a go. Yeah.
1: Projection numbers are just that. They're just projections. I mean, exactly. And
0: most of the time they're wrong. Yeah.
1: Play to your play to your gut. Play your matchups. Yeah. if You like one team over the other. Just do it. Yeah. You know, don't be afraid of what the numbers say. I mean, I think I intentionally changed my lineup around uh, and my projection was lower than the um, than the other guy this week. But, Mm -hmm. you know, Sunday happened and. You know, it, it, it swung my way. Yeah. So don't be afraid to trust your gut and play with some different formations in order to get yourself that boost that you need. So that's my tip for the week for fantasy football. That's
0: good stuff. All right, kids, uh, we're going to sign off for the night. Yeah, but that's all for me. Yeah, I, I think that's all I've got, too. Um, guys, uh, thank you so much for listening. Please be sure to follow us on all of our social media. Our handle is at UFRVodcast with a V. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, everywhere. Uh, look out for our recap on Last Word on Sports. Should be out on Thursday or Friday
1: our podcast comes out every Thursdays uh, everywhere you can find podcasts except for Spotify we're not that cool yet uh, and if you have any questions or comments or concerns or whatever uh, feel free to send us an email you can find us at andrewandkata at gmail.com uh, if you send us an email and we like it uh, we might read it on the show and yeah. uh, we don't know so yeah. send us an email and you'll find out but let's,
0: other than that
1: let's, <laughs> let's put it to bed guys have a good <laughs> week <laughs> I'm Andrew I'm Kata this has been over for the review bye everybody cheers bye.